You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. Hello and welcome to Writing Black. I am your host, Maisha Kai, lifestyle editor at the Griot. And this week we have um, a really incredible guest, um, historian, author, just a brilliant mind, um, Peniel Joseph, who wrote this book, his, his latest, I should say, The Third Reconstruction. Um, Peniel, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, <laughs> Maisha, so thank you so much for having me. You know, um, I, I always like to explain to our guests like why we started this show. And, you know, it's really so much about the craft, um, you know, the craft of writing and, and really like how identity intersects with the craft of writing. And, you know, as a historian, as an educator and academic, um, you're in a very, I think, specific <laughs> position to discuss this, um, particularly as it pertains to exploring um, black history which were at such an obvious, like a crucial moment in American history and in, in, in exploring black history, which is American history, right? So mm. the third reconstruction, um, how did the concept for this book come about? You know, I think um, a lot of historians and cultural critics and writers and artists um, started to talk about the third reconstruction right around the time of the Donald Trump election um, Reverend William J. Barber has his own third reconstruction book talking about moral Mondays and, and sort of how the country needs to uh, go back to its commitments to Black people uh, that mm -hmm. have always sort of been um, expressed commitments, especially since the Civil War, but not actually commitments that have been guaranteed, right? So you think about Jim Crow segregation, you think about the abuses against black women, children, men, just chronically, even after uh, the first reconstruction. For black America, reconstruction remains a blues inflected tone poem about the perils and possibilities of black humanity, democratic renewal, and the pursuit of citizenship and dignity amid the ruins of a world ravaged by racism, war, and violence. So I think like many folks, I, I as a historian thought about uh, reconstruction, both the second reconstruction, uh, my mentor, uh, Manning Marable, um, uh, the late historian at Columbia University had written a book called uh, Race uh, Reform and Rebellion, um, uh, Black America's Second Reconstruction. Uh, he had written that book in 1982. So, and I, I knew Manning, I worked with Manning. Manning was a, a real inspiration um, and of course, you know, passed away in 2011, right on the eve of the publication of his Pulitzer Prize winning biography of Malcolm X. And so I, I thought about the 1940s, 50s, 60s, and 70s as a second reconstruction, but I really went back uh, to the, the first reconstruction. And so in a lot of ways, this book grows out of that, grows out of like sort of, and these are, you know, uh, technically when I went to graduate school, my, my fields of expertise were sort of like black history, uh, 1865 to the present, uh, Black feminism, which is really there in the book, uh, uh, which I had the opportunity to take with Sonia Sanchez. And, and then, you know, sort of, you know, Black political intellectual history and social, social movements and also comparative Black nationalism. So I was always very interested in Africa and the Caribbean. I'm Haitian, so I was always okay. very interested in that. And so in a lot of ways, uh, the, the election of Trump and MAGA sort of 
forced all of us to sort of rethink our preconceptions about the country. And, and I think in doing so, I got deeper into uh, the period of, of reconstruction. Although I will say over the last, say, 15 years, even as I'm a historian of the civil rights movement uh, and, and sort of the 20th century, I had been really reading a whole lot on slavery mm. and reconstruction just for my own elucidation. You know, so I was reading and especially, you know, the, the stuff by Tavolia Glimpf and Dinah Ramey Berry, especially the stuff by black women and, and, and sort of women authors, in addition to the Eric Fawners and the Stephen, Stephen Hans. So I had I had, uh, you know, uh, Crystal Fleming. I had I'd been very much interested in this uh, uh, Crystal Feimster. There's just so many different folks who, who, who have influenced me and influenced sort of not only you know, uh, my reading, but how I read, you know, I think right. that's, that's the whole thing, you know, like how I read, um, has really, uh, changed in, in, in that, in that way be, because of the influences of the authors who I read. You know, I love that. I don't, I don't think, you know, we talk a lot about how we write on the show, but we don't talk a lot about how we read. So I actually love that. Um, can you, can you get a little more specific about that? How has it changed? How are you reading now? Yeah, I think I read um, in a lot of ways against the grain of sort of the archives and what you're reading and you're reading for things that are seen and unseen mm. um, um, in the voices of the, 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 the people who are being centered in those stories. So you're, you're always aware of sort of what's there, but also what's missing. And, and, um, uh, and some of those missing sort of um, uh, ellipses we're, we're never going to get back again right you know they're they're permanently gone some of it we could sort of imagine and conjure and i think um that's what's so good about sort of being in the space of black feminism student of black feminism reading alongside within the context of the black radical tradition and i've been you know super fortunate to be uh on that journey for decades and decades so i've been able to um just read extraordinary work but that has helped me read and interpret differently, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that in a way, uh, the book is a product of that in terms of, and I think I was always uh, wanting to come out with a book like this, but it's very, it's very hard. Not everybody <laughs> has the genius of some of these, uh, you know, writers and, and these authors who you, who you read and admire, mm -hmm. but what they do is, you know, you can't do so you're, you're trying to do it you're trying to do what you can do and be comfortable in that, in that yeah, way. yeah yeah i mean as they say comparison is the thief of joy right um but yeah. you know you mean you just gave us a laundry list of, of incredible thinkers and fun fact i used to teach eric foner's daughter um when she was in oh, really school. i did i did up near columbia so that's a little that's a little odd. A lot of people don't know. I was and you know, Maisha, one, one person who I should mention is Sadia Hartman. Yes. You know, I think Sadia Hartman has been really uh, influential for me and, you know, thousands mm -hmm. of, of others. But I think, um, you know, reading um, not just, uh, you know, Lose Yourself, but but Scenes of Subjection, uh, you know, which is really about racial slavery mm -hmm. and sort of the Civil War and the aftermath, the, the way in which she um, reads against the grain and the way in which she looks at sort of the the the, the problem space to, to use a political theory term of of sort of reconstruction was really um you know you know influential 
Um, but there's been a, you know, really a, a ton of people who I really, really, uh, you know, love and, and admire, uh, you know, in this space, um, you know, uh, Kendra Field, uh, Rhonda Williams, um, Uhuru Williams, um, you know, there, there's just so many different um, authors, uh, Hanif Abdul-Rakib, mm -hmm. uh, Kiesi mm -hmm. Lehman, Tressie, yeah. Uh, Macmillan Cottom, just three of my favorites, right? You know, in addition yeah. to Bell Hooks and Audre Lorde, and some of whom are really, you know, in the book, especially by um, they're throughout, but really uh, the chapters on on dignity and leader, leadership as as well. Black women and queer activists have historically been some of America's most committed reconstructionists. Audre Lorde, the black lesbian feminist, theorist, poet, and scholar activist, is an exemplar on this score. Her commitment to a radically inclusive yet politically expansive vision of abolition democracy set her on a course in the 1960s and 1970s that would, in striking ways, come close to being fulfilled by the BLM movement. Well, I wanted to talk to you about that, like the the layout of this book. I think, you know, sometimes we open these books and it's like there's like 82 chapters and you're like, OK, <laughs> you kept this. I mean, it's a substantial book, but it's concise in terms of just like how you decided to um, structure this conversation. Um, you do this in six parts. Um, why? You know, and I'm going to read them off really quickly. Um, the introduction is a nightmare is still a dream. One is citizenship followed by dignity, backlash, leadership, freedom as the conclusion. And while I know those all spoke to me in specific ways, why was it important for you to structure the book this way? Why, why was, um, why did you want to, why was this the framework for this conversation? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Maisha. I, you know, in a way, this book, again, as somebody who, and you know this, when, you know, those of us who are coming from academic backgrounds, whether we've taught at the university or not, by academic backgrounds, I mean, the backgrounds we all came from, where at the dinner table, they're talking about politics, yeah. they're talking about culture and art. So though that's really academic. Sometimes people call it intellectual backgrounds. Um, th that is both liberating, but also it's confining, mm. right? Because you, you, a lot of times the framework that we're taught in, people expect you to uh, stay within those boundaries and within those lines, you know. So if you're an anthropologist, if you're a black woman feminist, if you're if you're a, a, a religious scholar, if you're a cultural critic, a policy wonk, you stay in your lane. In a way, I I wanted to get out of my lane <laughs> in writing this book, and and so what I wanted to do in those six parts were really I wanted to you know sort of this is how I conceptualize this period through all of my readings and research as a student, as a student, you know? And one of the reasons I think I'm still passionate and excited about all this is that I remain a student. And, you know, I'm in awe of so many different writers. I like, you know, um, Lawrence Ralph, Amani Perry, uh, you know, Eddie Gloud, um, you know, so many different folks who I just read, 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 uh, Martha Jones, and I read fiction as well, right? And so I think that, this period of time, I wanted to be able to produce something that was um, a learning and teaching tool, but also something that provided people hope. But also, you know, because I had been in the Black feminist space for so long, I thought I could really contextualize why it was so important Black women's roles, not just in the movement for Black lives, 
but I really anchor even in the introduction, Angela Davis. And what does Angela Davis mean for three generations of folks, you know? And what does it mean, the essay about black women and slavery written from prison? And how does that impact what we think of as abolition democracy, a, a, a term that Du Bois gave us. But I really then look at, you know, sort of Ida B. Wells, you know, um, Angela Davis, Audre Lorde, then, then a, a, a contemporary um, uh, black sort of uh, feminist activist framework as well. And what does it mean when we, we listen to that and we let it influence how we think about narratives and narrative wars and cultural wars? Right. So I wanted to thread that together where you get Stacey Abrams and Amanda Gorman, but also Ida B. Wells and Audre Lorde, um, um, you know, Ruthie Gilmore, Kathy Cohen, all at the same time and how that that threads through these three periods of, of reconstruction and, and the kind of, um, I think, really transformative hope that that gives Nicole Hanna and the 1619 uh, Project. Right. And so. Um, yeah, so I was really happy to be able to do that because in a lot of ways, as a writer, so much of that has always been in my head. <laughs> and it becomes, you know, you want to get, as you know, you want to get it out. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I've often, I've often heard it said, and I've often said myself that, you know, great writers are often great readers. I mean, well, they, they almost inevitably are great readers. And we will be right back with more Writing Black. Introducing Dear Culture with Panama Jackson on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Bring your friends for the shenanigans and stay for the edutainment as Panama debates culture wars, Janet Jackson versus Michael, Black Fashions, Black Mendations, and everything Black. Listen today on the Griot mobile app for all the Black culture conversations you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here, and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the Black perspective. Ready for real talk and Black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Griot mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. All right. Welcome back to Writing Black. You know, one of the things like, you, you know, going back to just the history itself, it, I, I find a lot of people don't talk about Reconstruction enough, even though it was like this ridiculous, obviously this hugely pivotal moment um, mm -hmm. for us in particular, um, let alone refer to a second Reconstruction, right? <laughs> so, um, and uh, thank I, I also studied uh, a lot of black history and black feminism in college, um, you know, and um, it's so interesting to me, you know, obviously everything's cyclical, right? So we talk about mm -hmm. third wave feminism, you know, we've had, um, yeah. you know, Ibram X. Kendi talking about, you know, the new black renaissance, you know, all these kind of like cycles, mm -hmm. cycles, cycles. Um, and with each, obviously there's a different, what is the word I'm looking for? Pain point, a different um, mm -hmm. risk level <laughs> involved, you know, in yeah. the conversations yeah. that we're having. Um, your book, of course, comes at a time 
we have just gone through, I mean, it's almost as if the last two, I mean, we just gone through an incredibly traumatic two years and then an incredibly traumatic four years before that for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you feel like it's so important to have this conversation now? And do you feel that there's, you know, do you hold out hope for some breaking point where the promises that are made in each of these phases of reconstruction, to your point, um, do you hold out hope for that? Do you, do you see these, you know, pushing these conversations as a way forward or do you see it as a way to kind of arm us personally by us? I mean, black people and, and those who are supportive of black people with that information. You know, Maisha, I think it does both. I think it does both because I think one of the arguments of the book is how central black people are. And then when you get really specific, black women have been, to rescuing democracy, saving democracy, having an expansive (laughs) uh, uh, vision of Mm -hmm. democracy, you know, alongside certain men like Frederick Douglass were really good. Um, You know, so there's there's definitely been solidarity. But I wanted to highlight because a lot of times we don't think about um, black women in that in that context. But but no, I think it is hopeful. I think we have to come to terms with and I think we have done this the last two years, but we're facing a real backlash that when we, we when we push for black citizenship and equality, when we center the voices of black people, but then black women, uh, black mm-hmm. queer folks, we are actually um, saving democracy and expanding democracy. Just like when we attack those voices, we're diminishing uh, democracy, right? And so a lot of what I've tried to do in terms of the third reconstruction is sort of show, especially for people who are never gonna have the, opportunities that we have to read all these right. big books, these big, <laughs> huge books, you know, um, whether it's Eric Foner or Stephen Hahn or or Martha Jones or, you know, so, so many different folks who write big, great books, but most of the public doesn't read it. So it, it was trying to, to, to braid that argument um, in, in, in a concise mm-hmm. way that shows why it's so, so pivotal and also push back in a sense of, you know, when I look at Reconstruction from 1865 to 1898, following people like Martha Jones and others, you know, I, I talk about, you know, Black women's centrality to that period, you know, to that period and to the politics of that period. I, I center Ida B. Wells as really uh, more than just a criminal justice reformer, but really this this person who's um, a democratic visionary, small d democracy, who's an activist, who's a social scientist, who's a data collector. Ida B. Wells, a journalist and anti-lynching crusader, emerged as one of the nation's most ardent reconstructionists, helping to advance Black power by organizing political clubs and educational networks and creating civic spaces that viewed women as equal partners on the road to freedom. You know, I do all of that to sort of show that, you know, what we, the stories we tell, it's kind of like you see Hamilton and I've seen Hamilton with my daughter and all this stuff. We put black actors in Hamilton, but a lot of times we won't talk about our own black founding uh, uh, mothers right. and fathers. You know, who, who, where we don't have to invent Ida B. Wells. She exists. Well, right. I was going to say, know? where's the you Ida B. Wells? Invent- Maybe I need to write the Ida B. Wells musical. All right. No, music. absolutely. And I'm right. a exactly. Chicago I would woman, definitely so, you know, want. You, you say Ida B. Wells to me, and she's like, you know, writ large in my life, like absolutely. everywhere. Yeah, Ida yeah B. exactly. Wells, 
No, no, you should write it because I would want the person who makes the ton of money for um, the Ida B. Wells, Broadway, and all the subsidiaries. I want it to be a black woman. Make it, okay. Make it splashy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. 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 You know. So yeah. So I wanted that to be in one in one book that shows you and braids that history together, and also shows us how it continued through, through these three periods of reconstruction. Obviously, there's been more than those three periods, but those three periods tie together, you know, 1865 to 1898, 1954 to 1968, and it really 2008 to the present, because I think this period is continuing, and we, we see both the yeah. progress with yeah. Obama right. and BLM, but also the backlash with January 6th, Trump, right. MAGA, critical race theory, anti, um, voter suppression. So we see it all in one mix. Right. And, we, and it's this really sick kind of replay of exactly what happened. Exactly. And then, as summer began, new generations of social justice warriors marched arm in arm with grizzled veterans of earlier movements. Together, they dreamed of a future capable of healing a past resurrected that May in the last gasps of a dying man, George Floyd, who called for his mother at the hour of his death. Our ancestors faced the, 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 the same thing. And sometimes we can't compare, make an exact comparison, but we are facing some of the same trials and tribulations mm -hmm. that they faced. Yeah, we're definitely seeing, you know, this era's version of that. Well, I can't wait to hear more. We'll be right back with more Riding Black. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here, and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the Black perspective. Ready for real talk and Black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Griot Mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. Introducing Dear Culture with Panama Jackson on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Bring your friends for the shenanigans and stay for the edutainment as Panama debates culture wars, Janet Jackson versus Michael, Black Fashions, Black Mendations, and everything Black. Listen today on the Griot mobile app for all the Black culture conversations you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. And we are back with more writing black, um, you know, and now yes. it's like you start to think about things like, so how would that same, how would that same uh, backlash, you know, how does that manifest now in terms of, you know, a diminishing populace or a threatened populace trying to control or contain or suppress, you know, other voices. And I'm like, does that look like, you know, a cyber thing does it look like you know what does that look like now <laughs> you know yeah. um yeah. which is terrifying Absolutely. that's terrifying <laughs> to look over your shoulder oh no it is terrifying you know my it is terrifying i always tell my students now that i teach at university of texas that you know for those of us who used to imagine you know what would it be like to have lived back then whether it's mm -hmm. the 1960s right. or the 1860s you're in it you know you're 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 yeah. in it right now and um Things have gotten so bad when we think about voter suppression and Absolutely. legislation uh, to prevent folks from teaching about black feminism and black history and slavery that, um, you know, anything is possible uh, in a negative way. 
uh, although anything is also possible in a positive way. But um, the election shenanigans, accusations of right. black voter fraud, this was happening in right. the 1860s. You know, as early as 1866 and 1868, um, black folks are uh, getting an opportunity to vote even before the ratification of the 15th Amendment. And um, there are allegations of, of voter fraud. There's violence against black people going to the polls, which is why so many have to um, organize basically a martial military, paramilitary uh, style movement uh, which includes black mm -hmm. men and women uh, to protect themselves in the polls. And we're, you know, victims of violence in, you know, Georgia, Mississippi, Texas, throughout uh, the Confederacy for uh, not just exercising voting rights, but also for building up black churches, black schools, um, the kind of civics that we had manifested. I mean, South Carolina, we were majority black in South Carolina. If, if things had been allowed to progress we would have had a black governor in South Carolina, two black senators. Yeah. We, you know, Mississippi, we were 60% of over 26 of the 70 uh, something counties. And we were, we, we, we were running local places in Mississippi. And, and I will have to say, and I, and I sort of show this in the book with the backlash chapter. One thing people don't understand is that when we think about Jim Crow segregation and what happened to us, we were overrun by, um, overwhelming numbers. So we fought, you know, and we organized in the hundreds, sometimes single digit thousands in local municipalities. We were overwhelmed at times by forces of in the 10,000s of, of, right. of militia, of, of, of right. violent terrorists, of government of, sanctioned of, uh, violence, police officers, right. <laughs> yes. government yes. state sanctioned violence. Yeah. So, so one thing I wanted to show too, is that we, we have been consistent and we haven't been cowering. We haven't been cowards. We, we've we just been flat out outnumbered and we weren't out organized. We weren't out hustled. We somehow were not lazy and right. didn't work hard yeah. enough for freedom or to protect our freedom. Um, there's not much you can do if you're one person or even a hundred and there are thousands out there armed with guns. There's not, I mean, right. you're not gonna win that. Right. You're just not gonna win it. And so that's what we were up against um, during reconstruction. And we still managed to have archipelagos of, of, of freedom and, and sort of uh, wealth and, and, and justice uh, that we managed to carve out for ourselves as well. Well, that's a lot to think about. We'll be right back with more Riding Black. Introducing Dear Culture with Panama Jackson on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Bring your friends for the shenanigans and stay for the edutainment as Panama debates culture wars, Janet Jackson versus Michael, Black Fashions, Black Mendations, and everything Black. Listen today on the Griot mobile app for all the Black culture conversations you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here, and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the Black perspective. Ready for real talk and Black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Griot mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. And we are back with more Writing Black. When you talk about like the population and, and um, just those ratios there, you know, uh, 
what do you think of like, you know, this, the like reverse migration movement in terms of people? I mean, you're in Texas, right? Um, so yes. what do you think of that? You know, like there, there, it isn't argued. I'm thinking of Charles Blow off the top of my head. He's not the only one, but yeah, you yeah. know, Charles Blow, it has yeah. been argued that we should consolidate, right? That we should move south and make it happen. But, you know, it's like, I talked to my partner and he's yeah. like, yeah, no, <laughs> we're not doing that, you know? Um, what do you, what do you think of that? What do, I mean, from a historical perspective, because I do think that there is a, a there is a, a really interesting argument there. Yeah, I think there is an interesting argument. I think the South is always going to be, in a way, yeah. Black people's homeland. And yeah. I'm from New York City by way of Haiti, um, so that's a deeper <laughs> South when you yes. get to, to Haiti and Cuba and other places. I, I think I think that Black people are always moving where they think mm. the opportunities are. And I think that what's happened with the gentrification of the cities or the sort of colonization of cities and urban areas is that Black people have been pushed out. A lot of people don't understand that the reason they're able to be pushed out is a lot of times we're not right. able to own land yeah. and owned, um, own homes. And even when we are, I can think about East Austin, the east side of Austin, Black people have been pushed out because um, they're, they're, the property taxes get too high. Their, their houses uh, need um, repair and nobody's gonna give you a zero interest loan so you can um, take advantage of all these white people moving in and all this investment happening in your own neighborhood. So I think that for the time being, for the foreseeable future, black people are gonna be returning to the South, especially um, cities like you know mm -hmm. Charlotte, North Carolina, Richmond, Virginia. There's different places that have a lower cost of living than the um, the frontline cities. So like Austin, for instance, has a high cost of living. Not as many black people as Houston, um, as as Dallas, and, and and some other spots here in Texas. So I think you know people are moving to you know Jackson, Mississippi. They're moving to parts of Alabama and other places where they feel that mm -hmm. they can buy a home. Uh, make a living, um, and and they're organizing um, for political and economic power. Uh, that doesn't mean we can't be a presence or a force in the cities, but there is this reverse migration going on. Um, one thing I would say in terms of Black political power in the South, a lot of times the Southern states are the worst mm -hmm. states for voting. And, right, that's the discouraging so, um, <laughs> that's <the> part. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's very yeah. discouraging. And we will be right back with more Writing Black. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here, and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the Black perspective. Ready for real talk and Black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Griot Mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. Introducing Dear Culture with Panama Jackson on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Bring your friends for the shenanigans and stay for the edutainment as Panama debates culture wars, Janet Jackson versus Michael, Black Fashions, Black Mendations, and everything Black. Listen today on the Griot mobile app for all the Black culture conversations you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. And we are back with more writing black. You know, this is usually the the part of the interview where I ask you, you know, where I would ask my guests, like, oh, well, you know, what do you read? What inspires you? But you've given me a, a 
a bevy of that information. And I hope that our listeners are taking notes. I know I'll be playing it back and taking notes on a whole bunch of stuff that I wasn't up on. Um, But what I do want to talk about then instead is, you know, this is obviously, this is just your latest book. I assume there will likely be many more to come, hopefully. Um, But when we talk about, you know, as writers, as thinkers, as in your case, being a historian as well, and making sure um, that that word continues to be passed, that we, um, particularly now, you know, with this anti-CRT, I, I can't, I, it's reflexive. I always roll my eyes when I, <laughs> when I say CRT now, <laughs> that's terrible. Um, no, with this, you know, push against telling Black history as American history, this push against telling it accurately, um, what do you do you feel a responsibility in that um if so what what does that feel like what is what would how would you articulate that oh yeah no i definitely do and i you know i talk about that in chapter 4 in the leadership chapter i talk about 2020 mm-hmm. and how it unfolded and how all of us were being utilized and called upon for our expertise uh people yeah. like you know ibram kendi and um alicia garza and others became bestsellers you know uh you know um um you know leila ali white supremacy and me uh, uh, Robin D'Angelo. I mean, you watch some people whose books had come out years before become bestsellers. I was, I'm thinking about like Brittany Cooper, you know, I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and so I think that, um, yes, I mean, trying to utilize, uh, whatever voice I have in the public, um, for, for this kind of pedagogical evolution, I think that the whole country is undergoing around, um, and I call these narrative wars about like, what is the story we tell uh, to each other about ourselves, right? And I think the reason why the 1619 Project um, irked uh, certain people so much, uh, certain white people, but other conservatives who are not white so much, is that it told us a different story. It, it told us a different story. And that story can still be a story that leads to some kind of consensus, because one of the problems that we face post-Shelby Holder is that we don't have a consensus. Once they ended voting rights, in the way it had existed for the previous almost 50 years, we've really lost the national consensus on black citizenship and dignity that, however imperfect, was better than MAGA and Trump. Okay, so mm-hmm. that's, a, you know, however imperfect that was, it was actually better. So we, we need a new consensus. So I think the role of all of us who are educators and who are um, interested in being part of that debate is to 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 tell a different story and that's what i try to do in the third reconstruction and prioritize different actors but it's still towards building consensus because there's no reason why we can't um say you know angela davis tamika mallory have uh, great conceptions of freedom and democracy that we can't get behind right uh, the, the only reason is just like what happened with justice katanji um, where, you know, they're asking her crazy questions. You know, she's this mm-hmm. overqualified Black woman, overqualified, more qualified yeah. than any of those senators, more brilliant than any of those folks asking questions, yet they're poking and prodding just because of racism and they don't like mm-hmm. her identity. That's that's mm-hmm. why, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And they don't like her whole, her whole life, you know? I, I, mm-hmm. Many of those folks would be upset that she's interracially married, that she's yep. got this beautiful Black daughter, right there, uh, you know, daughters, and 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 that she's confident enough to think that, yes, she deserves to be on the Supreme Court of the United States. Mm-hmm. And that's why I get into this idea 
um, Aisha, with the with the reconstructionist versus redemptionist. That that polarity still carries the day. A hundred and it is it'll be a hundred and sixty years in twenty twenty five since the end of the Civil War, and really a hundred and sixty years later, the country is divided uh, between reconstructionists and redemptionists. The silver lining is this: there are actually more reconstructionists than ever. That's the truth. In another historical context, if we pitted Trump against Biden, Trump would have won decisively in another historical context, okay? So the very fact that you can have uh, uh, not just Barack Obama, but but Black Lives Matter, that you can have Stacey Abrams, who's unbelievably uh, brilliant, that you yeah. can have these 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 Black women who are shaping this. You can have this. Corey Bush, you can have, yeah, Bush. absolutely. It, it's Absolutely. it's it's remarkable, and that should give us hope. Even as we know that there are, there are, there's this anti-democratic oligarchy, there are racists, there are white supremacists who who want redemption to win the day. All right. Well, stay tuned for more writing black. Introducing Dear Culture with Panama Jackson on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Bring your friends for the shenanigans and stay for the edutainment as Panama debates culture wars, Janet Jackson versus Michael, Black Fashions, Black Mendations, and everything Black. Listen today on the Griot mobile app for all the Black culture conversations you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here, and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the Black perspective. Ready for real talk and Black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Griot Mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. All right, welcome back to Writing Black. The third reconstruction, America's struggle for racial justice in the 21st century. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing this book. I'm gonna, because I admit I did not finish it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank it's you, I understand people week. are overwhelmed. But, you know, you know what, what, one book, Maisha, that I, I didn't say I, I love is um, Heather McGee, The Sum of Us. Oh you wait, know, say it again um, for me. Uh, Heather McGee, The Sum of Us. The Sum of Us. It's called right. The Sum of Us. Yeah, Heather McGee, The Sum of Us. Black woman. Yeah, it's and it's everybody should should read that. It it it's really talking about what, how racism impacts all people mm-hmm. and why we can't have nice things because of racism. <laughs> Great book. Yeah. Oh, that's a, you know, that's really a whole other like conversation. Yeah. We'll have to have you back for yeah. why we cannot have nice things. <laughs> Peniel Joseph. Racism. <laughs> Thank you. Because of racism. Yeah. Right. Um, yes. And sexism too. <laughs> but, and sexism. Yeah. Queer phobia. And all homophobia. Those things all prevent that, us from having that. nice things. Right. All of it. Yeah. Peniel Joseph, thank you so much for joining us on Writing Black. This is this was a really, really great conversation. I have to say, on a personal note, you know, this brought me back to um, my, my I felt like I was back in the classroom at Sarah Lawrence with I don't know if you know Kamozi Woodard, but like I just felt like I was just back there. Kamozi is a friend. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. And I just yes. was like, you know, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant man. I'm so blessed to have studied under him. So yeah, you know, I have to say uh, thank you so much for that because it was just very uh, affirming. And I hope that our listeners know, feel the you. same. I enjoyed it. And we will hopefully have you back because you are prolific, my guys. So <laughs> hopefully we'll have you back. 
And we will be right back with more Right in Black. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here, and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the Black perspective. Ready for real talk and Black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Griot Mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. Introducing Dear Culture with Panama Jackson on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Bring your friends for the shenanigans and stay for the edutainment as Panama debates culture wars, Janet Jackson versus Michael, Black Fashions, Black Mendations, and everything black. Listen today on the Griot mobile app for all the black culture conversations you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. And we are back with more Writing Black. Well, you know, it's really rare that we have a guest on with such a breadth of knowledge as Peniel Joseph, who's going to give us really basically a virtual book list. But I still have a few of my favorites to share, as I do every week. Um, You know, I love to do these thematically. You know, I mentioned uh, Charles Blow. If you have not read, I believe it's The Devil You Know is the name of the book, uh, you should. Uh, That was really what I was basing our conversation on reverse migration on. But um, also, you know, How the Word is Passed by Clint Smith. This was a bestseller. A Reckoning with the History of Slavery Across America. And, you know, another guest of ours here on Writing Black. Um, And admittedly, I'm a little biased on this guest because he's my cousin. But Keith Boykin, Race Against Time, The Politics of a Darkening America. Both these books, you know, take a unique perspective on political history in the United States and how it's gotten us where we are. Um, Obviously, there's a breadth of books, like just a huge, you know, span of books um, that uh, you should dig into if you want to know more. And at this point, we all should. We should all be trying to get as much of our real history um, as we possibly can, because that is how the word is passed. And as Peniel said, the narrative, we need to remain in control of it. So that's it for this week of Writing Black. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of Writing Black. As always, you can find us on the Grio app or wherever you find your podcasts. Introducing Dear Culture with Panama Jackson on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Bring your friends for the shenanigans and stay for the edutainment as Panama debates culture wars, Janet Jackson versus Michael, Black Fashions, Black Mendations, and everything black. Listen today on the Griot mobile app for all the black culture conversations you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here, and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the Black perspective. Ready for real talk and Black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Griot mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard.